You're now tuned in to Never Jaded Podcast, giving flowers to Asian creators. I'm your host, Robin. And I'm your other host, Kyle. Join us as we get inspired by artists, creatives, and entrepreneurs from all walks of life. And remember, everyone, never jaded, always motivated. Let's get creative. What's good, Jade Dynasty? We're back from our short break. The Jade Empire strikes back. And you know, the reason for the short break is because we had a return of the Jedi. You know what I'm saying? Our our co-host returns to the motherland, the raptor land. You know what I'm saying? What's good, Kyle? How's it going? I'm doing well. Happy to be back in Canada and uh, excited to be back doing this pod again. It's mm-hmm. been a while. Mm-hmm. I, I Honestly, I'm very shocked. I'm surprised. I thought we lost you. I thought we lost you too to the Asia, you know what I mean? In Singapore, but suddenly my boy moves back. We're in the same time zone. We don't got to yeah. worry about like, you know, oh, is he awake? You know, mm-hmm. how's it been so far? Are you settled back in? Yeah, I settled back in, moving in back with the own old family home with the parents, you know, mm-hmm. life's been all right so far. I mean, you know, just came back used to living in Canada, driving everywhere and, you know, the typical stuff. I mean, the good thing is it hasn't snowed yet, so I'm I'm enjoying the last bit of good Canadian fall. I really mm-hmm. like it. Some people don't, but like Canadian fall is my favorite. So hoodie season. Yeah. So other than the weather, other than the weather, you know, I know you live in Asia for like the past few years, right? You've been in Taiwan and Singapore. What do you notice is the biggest difference? You know, let's say even just the people, right? Like what you know, you know, Canadians were stereotypically considered really nice which i don't really get because i think toronto were full of assholes so you tell me what's the biggest difference you think between singapore and toronto with the people with people i think there's a lot more different kinds of people being in toronto i Mm. mean toronto is known to be multicultural you know melt like you know no, uh, mosaic, all that stuff. Like if you want to find a certain kind of cuisine or a certain type of people, you can find it. But Singapore, you're restricted to you know, different kinds of Asians. So not as multicultural. And I do appreciate this about Canada. Very multicultural. Oh, yeah. If you seek it, you will find it. That's why I love Toronto, oh. man. You know, you, you, whatever food you're feeling, we got that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but welcome, we're, we're glad to have you back, you know. Happy to be back. So let's get back to the show. We got a very special guest today. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm so excited to talk to this guy today. You know what I mean? Because, like, you know, our, our podcast, we, we want to give flowers to all sorts of Asians, right? You know what I mean? But, you know, and we don't play favorites. We, we're not biased here. We want to see all of them win, right? But, you know, if you're, if, you know, for the Cantonese people, you know what I mean? We, we, we're, we got a little soft spot for them, you know, because me yes. and Kyle, we're both Cantonese, right? And our guest today is Cantonese, right? So, you know, we, we, we got a little soft spot for, for the Cantos, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what else can we say about our guest today? Before we, I, I want to give them, I give him like a really nice intro. What, what else right. can we say about this guy? He does many things. Mm-hmm. He really good at you know all sorts of things that you might not even expect him to do Mm -hmm. i mean just looking at his socials and 
hearing his story from other places, he could be like doing this is like, really? You did this or you did that? <laughs> like, wow, man of many hats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's really you know, trying to you know, rep the Cantonese well. He's doing his part. Mm-hmm. And he's always you know, about you know, positivity. I could feel it in his social. He's all about, you know, being the best version of you, you know. No, the energy and the vibes is always right with his 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 kind of posting is always like feel good like whenever I see him post it's always something positive something mm-hmm. great I really appreciate that and he's just a funny dude I mean exactly. you, you've seen him in action mm-hmm. the stage presence is crazy you know what I mean um, we've discovered him from um, the fresh rice showcase which is uh, a comedy showcase that with a with an asian lineup we already interviewed a couple guys uh from that show you know uh so you know naturally we just want to go down the list and anto was we had to do the we had to do him next man we had to do him next so let's just bring him on um comedian aka the pun fu master Anto Chan, what is good? Hey, Welcome to the show. Hey. <laughs> I finally could talk. Uh, it feels like I don't know if you ever watched Tiger Be- or watched Tiger Belly, mm-hmm. but um, don't talk until we say your name. <laughs> if somebody uh, talks before they you say their name, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait until you say my name. But um, <laughs> thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, the things you said very flattering. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, there's just been so much that's been going on in the last like couple years even in the pandemic there's so much that's happening um you never you know stop like pushing forward i guess to a certain extent but also i i did so much personal reflection during this time i feel like i've grown like exponentially in the last two years and uh, that i'm very grateful for and a lot of that came from like solitude you know like being on my own you know people talk about like you gotta go into the mountains and hear like the water dripping from a stream and you will (laughs) find that inner peace you know like for me it was like not as like you know visually like uh stimulating in that way it was just more so like i just had a lot of really challenging days where i just like was like am i getting up to like i don't have shows to go to i don't have Mm -hmm. this like right when um we did our fresh rice it was pretty much like a month later, it was like lockdown, you know? Mm. So um, yeah. And I, I run, uh, I produce like a, a, with a couple other producers um, a once a month um, showcase called free flow showcase. And um, it started last year, January, we did one show, then we did a second show in February. And I did like, um, I, I have a chat book. It's like a poetry chat book. So I released that. Uh, at the same venue and then literally right when we were like okay we found our venue we've got the show going like boom lockdown happened it like made me question like everything because it was so like aligned I was like oh man everything is so perfect and then it just kind of all blew up and then we were like well what do we do and then right away we all there was like five of us at the time and we all just talked and we're like let's just move online you know so what you guys are doing right now that's pretty much what we're we did we went Online, we ended up with, um, you know, once a month um, showcase. And then everything happened with uh, George Floyd and like the Black Lives Matter movement and just like a huge amount of um, just need for amplifying the black voice. So in Free Flow Showcase, um, we started only booking black artists. And uh, we also went weekly, which was a huge mistake. Uh, Not that like it wasn't important at the time, but like, doing that much like content and also having such challenging content without the debrief, 
like debriefing is like the most like I would say even more valuable than the actual execution of programming right so um but yeah that's kind of a nutshell in a nutshell like a little bit about like performance wise what all happened within that like such a short period of time in 2020 and it just kind of like forced me to a certain extent to kind of just go in and and yes we were still doing the monthly show but in between that like what was I putting my energy and time into a lot of it was like going to therapy you know like really figuring out like kind of what things were still like really challenging inside of my life you know and you know coming from a Chinese family Cantonese speaking family like you guys know like therapy is like very far down the list of what mm -hmm. what is considered like even just talking to my family about therapy is just like not normal you know so um yeah it was a lot of like personal reflections lots of like emotional like challenges but um I feel now uh just being where I'm at there's just been the steps that were taken to get here um I'm just grateful man like there's so much like that's a huge part of my life is just like gratitude you know like just wherever I'm ending up I just always look up and I just I'm surrounded by just people doing it like you guys, mm -hmm. you guys are doing it, you know, yeah, like for sure. Yeah. 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 You're doing it. That's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. 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 This show that's actually great. brewed yeah. it during the pandemic, you know yes. what I mean? So mm -hmm. I feel like, like you said, like a lot of us, I feel like grew a lot during yeah. this pandemic, you know, it, it mm -hmm. kind of felt like, you know, like in Dragon Ball Z, you're right. You, they go into the time chamber. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like, that one year felt like 10 years, you know what I mean? Like, I felt like I grew so much in that short period of time. So I, I, I feel you, you know? Um, and you talked about the, you talked about your free flow, uh, showcase. Um, I saw on the weekend, yo, it was, it was it your birthday. Like you guys yeah, had a, you guys had a showcase. Yeah. It was my birthday last week. And then, um, we yeah. had to just move the, the showcase a week. Um, and then, yeah, it was my, it was a celebration of my birthday. It felt amazing. Uh, I actually, it is my, um, the final year in my third cycle on this earth. So I'm, I just turned 36. So it is the f next year, it'll be the beginning of my fourth cycle. You know, like I, I measure it by mm. Chinese, horse, you know, so <laughs> good, uh, yeah. off, it's my, my year. Um, and yeah, it's just been amazing. Like, um, just the, the community that we've been able to build there, mostly other artists doing different art forms and a huge part of what we do at free flow is that we push people to um, kind of challenge themselves to look into either uh, seeing what other art forms that they're wanting to explore more in. Uh, we kind of hold space for that. Or also um, we, we want people to be able to go on stage and just challenge themselves a little bit. Like if you're an open micer and you, or you've never done it before and you want to try open mic, well, we'll, we'll kind of like guide you through that. If you're doing open mics and you want to do like a book set, you can have one of those. If you're doing a book set and you want to headline a show, like you could possibly head on, headline ours. Like we really want people to be able to see like there's levels to it, but like you don't have to go through those levels alone. Right. And that was a huge mm. thing. Like being a stand-up comedian, when I first started, I felt like very alone. You know, and even though you'd go out to like, I was, I was doing a lot in Ottawa or like, um, and, um, and then I moved to Toronto to do stand up, And like, it felt like there was a lot of personal, just like work myself. And then when you hang out with other people, it, it was like, I never really got to open up the way that I felt like, um, and I didn't have, really have like mentors who really like had the time and the energy to be able to guide in that way. And so for myself, that was something that I really committed to myself to in the last like, you know, year and a bit is just like knowing, okay, I'm ready for that next phase of it. You know, like I've been running shows, producing shows for like 
a whole Chinese horoscope, 12 years, man. Like, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, if I'm doing it like this, I, I, I have to be able to like, you know, um, see where I'm actually at. And I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I've finally been able to be ready to like mentor and like really just like sit and listen and really see like how I can guide people, um, in the next stage in their artistic careers. And like, that's a big part of it. Even questions like, Oh, my family's not super down for me to like, do this uh, type of work like what is it that like I should do and it's like okay am I really going to tell you the advice of it or am I going to just figure out what is it that like why is it that you really need their approval right mm -hmm. what is it so it's really comes back down to like my work in um, or my learnings in from my therapist um, and then my artistic career and that's kind of like um, putting the two together that's kind of how I ended up like where I'm at right now, right? Like I just started school actually. I went back to school um, I'm, uh, in September and um, I started for expressive art therapy, which is literally that it's therapy and expressive arts, performance arts. Like, so that's like poetry, like dance, um, visual arts, clowning. Um, there's like all of these different art forms um, that they just put into one program. And like, as they, people express, then you can actually dig a little bit deeper in, um, and the best way I ever heard it was uh, it is art-based psychotherapy. So it's like you're doing therapy, the talk therapy, but you're able to do it through artistic form where, uh, and I thought that that was so necessary because, uh, you know, growing up as like an Asian kid, it was like, if you asked me like, what's going on at home? Like, what are you struggling with? What's, I wouldn't know how to word it. I wouldn't know how to put it into words, but I must would way better do like activities and then be able to use that to kind of express what it is that I was experiencing. So hopefully down the road, that's something that I would really love to work in the Asian community. Um, so yeah, it's just been like so much stuff. And I know there's a lot that I just said, um, but a huge <laughs> part of it, it all kind of connects, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's just sure. been really, really cool is that it all just leads back to like the stage and, and mental health mm. and, um, you know, being Asian <laughs> and yeah. Chinese, yeah. like all yeah. of that connects, you know, and that's mm -hmm. like a big part of everything that, that I, I feel like I do. So you said a lot there. You said a yeah. lot there. So first I want to say, first I want to say, you know, on behalf of Never Jaded, happy birthday, happy belated, hey, happy you know birthday. what I'm saying? <laughs> For your, was it fourth cycle now, you said? Yeah, uh, coming, final coming. year of the third cycle, yeah. Final year off, of the third off. cycle, right. you know? There's better things to come. For the yes. next cycle but um yeah. yo so kudos like you know like you, what i find with uh you know especially like a lot of the comedians in, 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 the ones that we've we've uh, interviewed like vong show right like mm. kind of similar story they came up alone like they felt like you know there wasn't a lot of support in the community there was no community really mm. so you guys had to go out and create these sort of communities you mm. know be the mentors uh, for the next generation so they don't feel like like what you how you did when you came up right um yeah now listening to a lot of i i listened to a few podcasts with yourself your your uh, interviews i saw a couple like speaking uh gigs that you did on youtube and and it seems <laughs> like it, it involves like um a lot of work with the youth you know mm -hmm. um and now you're saying you're going back to school for um expressive, expressive art, therapy. art therapy right um like yo your swag your swag like just reminds me like it's just like that that's like a youth leader swag right there you know what like I mean? a youth like, pastor yeah kind of the vibe. <laughs> like ha have you always been um that kind of guy like uh, like like working in the community like you know want to work with youth like like when, when did that start yeah, or yeah how did you uh, get here yeah uh, so 
I actually, interestingly enough, I started um, working with kids when I was a kid, right? Mm -hmm. So I was 11 years old when I started uh, working with uh, kids at Taekwondo. So oh, okay. I actually um, like was nine years old when I started Taekwondo. Um, a random Taekwondo place opened up right beside my house in Ottawa. And then uh, my master at the time, the, the, um, uh, the Taekwondo teacher, um, he was amazing, um, uh, Mr. Reed. And like, we would get disciplined, like so many great things, like going and hanging out with him and learning from him. And then I started, I was only 11. And then I would start leading the warmups. And then I would start like helping with like patterns. And, and then, um, yeah, so then it was really great. And then we competed a lot. Um, I was actually, uh, I ended up getting my black belt at like 14, I believe. Um, and that was like a huge, like crazy story in itself. Um, but I'll, I'll say the funniest part in a nutshell, but like my brother is like a very good long distance runner. I was not. And then everybody had the test at the same time, right? So the way that they framed it was that you would end up doing a run around the entire, like, it was like, um, I don't even know how many K run, but you'd run around the entire like neighborhood basically. And then um, when you were, when the first person arrived back, that's when they would start the time for the written test. Um, and you only got like half an hour for the written test after the per first person got back. So I was running and I ended up getting a really bad stomach ache. I don't know why. So I had to take a huge dump. So I, I had to like stop at like a walk-in clinic and I'm like, please, like, I'm like in my black belt test. Like I'm in my, and then they were like, just use the washroom. Like, why are you telling me all of this? Like, <laughs> like and I was a kid and I could tell that they were like, I don't know, whatever. And then, so when I got back, I only had like 10 minutes to do the written test. Right. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like sweating. And I was just like, and then um, they make you do all, like, every single pattern you've learned from like white belt, yellow stripe, yellow belt, green stripe, green belt, blue belt, all the way up, right? So black belt. And then um, they make you break boards. You have to do multiple people sparring. And then that's the way you get your black belt. And like, I never thought that you could fail the black belt, but multiple people failed the black belt in front of us. Like they would get you to step forward and then they would either tell you you passed or you did not. And it was like the most stressful day. But then what was crazy that when you get your black belt, it was such an interesting thing because you end up like, having a certain level of like you were saying like a certain swag or a certain like uh confidence when that happened but what's crazy is that that's not how life is like in in like taekwondo maybe but like in other like performance arts and things like that like i would say in comedy maybe like if you get just for laughs i think there's a certain level of like people respect you and treat you a certain way or whatever but like for myself my career is just so independently like outside the box that it's like so much of that has to come from myself so much of that like comes from like moments, right? Like I, I always use these moments in my life to like motivate me to be like, oh, okay, like I'm on the right path, right? So even for myself, I looked at that black belt, um, that black belt test and I was like 14 years old and I had all of this, like I felt like against me to a certain extent, but I, I just kept focused and just kept like going forward and kept working. And it was like, that's kind of what I felt was like, you know, a really good moment in my life that like guided me. Right. And there's other moments in my life where I was like, Oh man, like this was so challenging. And I, and I broke at that time. And uh, I used to think that those moments actually would pull me down, but with a lot of work with therapy, it was like, those moments actually were moments that were like, Oh wow. Like I'm supposed to do something different. Right. So we have these great moments that are, wow, you're aligned and you're going in your right path, but there's these moments where you crash and you burn. And then from those moments, you have to really figure out like, 
what path does fit me? What am I supposed to be doing at this time? Right. So it's mm -hmm. interesting. Like before I used to think that everything was like so black and white in that way. Right. Whereas like now, as you do more work on yourself and you do more like healing and learning about yourself, um, that's, there's so much that opens up in that way. Right. It's kind of like the in-between of it. Like, um, and I think that that's super valuable. If anybody's looking to do like performance art, expression, um, artistry, things like that. It's not like, oh, I'm successful or I'm not successful. It's like, you just got to figure out like in that moment, what you can learn from it and how is it making you feel? Those are like the two most, that's more important, I think, than to see if it's successful or not successful. Hmm. So, so it seems like all that you're saying right now, holds back to a lot of reflection, a lot of therapy, but in terms of how you were when you way back, were you always kind of cognizant or like reflecting a lot as well, but not in this way already? Or how was your childhood like growing up? Was it like yeah, art, a major was, component of your oh, life man. and such? So interesting that you like, very important, right? To talk about this, because that's the thing is that people see what I post and people see what they think that like, this is how I like came out, you know, like, and it's like, <laughs> that's not even like real, you know, like there's so much like pain so much like um like work like so much shit that i went through as a kid like um like there was a lot of like perfection that like was really wanted from us as kids you know from from a chinese family going to chinese school like it was just super like strict to a certain extent you know like um there's a coldness to it you know that's like really challenging you know like it was very isolating at certain moments you know like um and so i i was like success succeeding or like being better at stuff was how I was receiving love, right? And so that was really challenging because, you know, as we learn, as I learned more about like, um, you know, nurturing and taking care of kids, and I actually uh, am an early childhood educator. That's like my profession that I was uh, doing before, you know, working in daycares and childcare and things like that. And like, what I really learned was that nurturing, like, to really nurture um, in a way where it is like supporting of growth for a kid. It's to actually embrace and care for them no matter what, whether they are succeeding or not succeeding. Whereas in a lot of like um, Chinese households um, with immigrant parents, it is about like, if you are succeeding, then you are praised for that. And if you are not succeeding, then you are punished for that. Whether it's emotionally, verbally, physically, like it is like all very um, separated um, for care, uh, like care, whether it's embraced in that way. So for myself, that was a big part of my childhood. And that was a big challenges that I went through, right? So, and I think that that a lot of people experienced that a lot of uh, immigrant kids went through that, right? And we don't have people to talk about that. We don't have, um, you know, moments in our lives where we're just hanging out with our friends. And then someone's like, hey, like, uh, and then maybe we'll joke about it. You know, we'll be like, oh, which, uh, which item did you get hit with? Haha, <laughs> you know, like, we'll joke about that. But it's like, it's so it comes from a place of like, um, uh, pain, you know, and that's why it was so important for me to start doing poetry. It was so important for me because it was a space where I was able to get into the depth of it and kind of like go through that, like, super um, intensely painful parts of myself. Um, I don't know if this is a, a thing, but I actually have like a, 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 a couple lines in a poem that I think would like kind of help um, fully understand, um, I guess, like uh, what it is that I guess I, uh, the, 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 the importance, I guess, of my, my childhood to now. Um, if you guys don't mind, I could just share like really quickly, just like- Drop the... some bars, man. Drop, yeah, drop some, some bars. bars. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, all right. So this is actually about my show, Free Flow Showcase. We were going through a lot that a lot of people were um, 
you know, fighting a lot and trying to like really figure out what it was that I wanted. And I was the host of the show. So this is um, what I wrote about what I wanted that space to feel like. Holding space, hosting grace, building bountiful experiences for all, welcoming authenticity of angelic light, shining upon the stage, engage my hands open, bringing grounding energy. The uncertainty I feel in my regular life disappears. The path so clear, dear to my heart, developing communities in unity, enriching me gratefully, filling me with organic mastery. I was recently told that I radiate positivity. It's important that I accept the compliments. Thank you. And also highlight how I got here too. The traumas and emotional work I've done begun shining under the sun, microscope being burned, opening up, been too much, falling into ruts, heart crushed, I pick up the pieces. The stage saved me, sharing poetry, laughing along comedic stories that floored me. The healing has progressed, I profess my acceptance of my role. I am the troll in all of this. I, I'm the troll in all this, building, watching, maintaining the bridge, ensuring those who approach are ready. Preparation plus presence becomes essence. Essentially, I challenge to face our fears together. This is my life's work. This is my church, my social gatherings, collectively celebrating faith. This garden as we cross the bridge filled with annuals and perennials, ready to be picked, sniffed, embraced, heading to cross the moat, feelings evoke, walking into the castle, conquering fears, forming fulfillment. This journey becomes clear, conscious, collected, conscientious, creatives, holding each other, accountable, bountiful, listening intensely, respectfully, passionately, lay together sweetly. This picnic with the sun rays, the food laid, the ants wait, what a beautiful day. We are ready for you to share your story. And that began with me working through mine, the time, the space, the continuing love given, participation ribbons, the effort is being celebrated, the intentional steps to creating safety, ensuring everyone can speak at our own pace, in our own preparedness. We value intimacy. That is where we find the beauty, the in-between, the words, the music and movements are the vessels, the stories, our truth and how we got here, where we are and where we are going, that's the free flowing. <laughs> Yo, Kyle, I did not expect we're getting some performances for free yes. tonight. Oh my oh, goodness. Yes. That was beautiful, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I felt like it just like with the question you just asked me, sometimes I have troubles like mm -hmm. explaining it fully when it's mm -hmm. outside of art, but like poetry really helps me like touch upon that, right? Like everything that I am now it's because I was willing to go into that nasty in-between, you know, like go into mm -hmm. the trenches with my therapist and like have the hard conversation, call myself in and be like, hey, you know all those times that you were angry and that you hated everyone and that you thought that everyone was against you? It was all fear. You were just fearful of intimacy. You were fearful of opening yourself up because I had been abandoned uh, at, at certain moments in my life, right? I had been, felt like I wasn't worthy of love at certain moments in my life. And that like, you know, that poem helped me so much to understand what type of space I was holding, mm -hmm. right? So that's something that I just am really grateful for that art can like um, support me in that way. Because a lot of times like someone asked, like that question was so good. That's why like when you asked me that, it's like, 
yeah, I want to answer that, but I don't know if I have the mm-hmm. dialogue in this way to specifically explain it, right? So um, mm-hmm. that piece kind of like helps me um, in that and to be able to answer that. No, that was beautiful. And you yeah. know, you hear the passion in, in, through the poems, right? It's, it's almost better than getting just a regular explanation. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought we, I thought we were gonna get into like the comedian side, but like honestly, well. right now, not, yeah, like that right now, side is a big part of my life. Yeah. Though, right? mm-hmm. I, I, no, but yeah, no, but seriously, yeah. right but now, poetry though. Right now, I want to know more about the poems. You know what I mean? Because this that 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 <laughs> yeah. was fire. That that was that oh, was a dope so poem. <laughs> um, when did that like? How did you get started? Because like, okay, you know, comedy. Like, I you know. You know, we uh, most of us know about the comedy scene and what com, com comedy is, but I don't think a lot of people get poetry. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like I, at least on the mainstream level. So let's dive a little bit into it. Like, how did you get into uh, poetry, and, and how did you find this kind of scene? Yeah. So um, first off, I just wanted to. Uh, comments something that I think I don't know if I've ever said um, in public before, but I used to actually think poetry was really corny. Um, and I didn't think mm-hmm. it I, I was like, what is this, right? That's what I felt like. But it's because I was a comedian. And being a comedian, you put yourself on a bit of a pedestal and everybody around you is doing comedy is like, this is the greatest art form that the, you know, like, that's kind of how it mm. was upon. Yeah. And then that's what was crazy about poetry is that it just floored me. The first time that I heard a poet that was doing it from a genuine place, like really did the work to get through that. And it wasn't, um, so there's actually multiple styles of poetry. People don't really know that there's slam poetry, which is specifically uh, an art form where people are competing to get points. And it is like a performative uh, space. And then they compete to like, and there's actually competitions inside of that. And then there's actually uh, page poetry, which is like reading from the page. Um, And also there's kind of in between, which is like performance poetry, but it's not being scored in. It's more so like feature spots. Kind of, There's a similarity to like how comedy has like competitions. And then there's like um, the uh, open mics. And it's just a little bit different in that way, right? But poetry, Mm -hmm. I started actually, um, so I moved to Toronto and then I was looking for a job. I had a friend who got a job at a place called Free the Children and Me to We. Um, and then I ended up uh, going in for my, um, my uh, I guess it was my interview. It was like a group interview. Um, and this is the Pun Fu Master part of it. Me and my friend came up with this idea. Uh, we had to make up an icebreaker. So I actually, um, uh, he's like, why don't you just bring in a tray of ice? And then I was like, that's amazing. So I actually literally brought in a tray of ice and had three ways in which you could break the ice uh, in my interview. And I was like, could I go first? Uh, my ice is, uh, my icebreaker is melting. And the entire place like burst out laughing and, and then like I, I didn't say anything and they just looked down and I was actually holding a tray of ice and everybody was like, what the heck? Like, and I like ended up killing the interview, right? So I got the job and then I moved into housing and one of the people that I was living with, um, they were also a um, speaker as well. So I was a speaker and a facilitator and they were actually like uh, the face of the company at that time. And um, a big shout out to Britta B, um, huge, huge, like I was a fan of hers before I even got in there. And then I was living with her and then we became like really cl- like close friends at the time. And she was doing so many poetry gigs and to be able to see someone who was able to not just be doing it to perform, to 
even though she was because of like the, the space in which we were of the, because like, you know, being a, a professional speaker, you're trying to convince them like the audience to like kind of buy into what it is the organization is doing. But the work that she did, like, and the poems that I would hear, it impacted me in a way where I was like, man, like what comedy is doing for me, there's layers that I wasn't able to investigate or connect with. So at first, when I first started doing it, it was more exploratory. Like I wrote on my own and I had concepts, but then I was very um, skilled, I guess, at, at stage already, like, and being comfortable um, going on stage that I would just kind of like go on stage and like have like poems, like mostly written but, and mostly memorized, but I make up some part, like improv some parts of it. And then I would just get scores or whatever. And uh, I, most, like, I would say I was like, like 90% swag and like 10% writing, you know, whereas <laughs> like, which is dangerous, but I was like, Hey, if they don't like me, it's all good. There's like comedy over there or whatever. Um, but like slowly I just continued to love it more. And it became such like a passion for mine to like support other people to share through poetry because the, the beauty of, of poetry, it's just like, it's just different than comedy, right? Each one of the avenues. So the ones that are the, the four pillars, I would say of my speaking is like the emceeing, the storytelling, the poetry, and then the comedy. Like all four of those are like, I would say like, I have a certain expertise in each one of those and differing mm -hmm. levels, of course, um, certain ones I've studied more as well. Um, but those are the four that really um, uh, support me when I go on stage. I'm like, hey, I can access any four of those. And uh, depending on this moment in the audience, the audience will be enjoy that more. But also, um, I used to only do that part and didn't do the second part where I reflected on like, what do I want to share today? What is it that I'm wanting to bring into this, right? So um, that was the, that was a really important part of my understanding of poetry. It's just one layer of it, right? When you go into the other um, art forms, those are different layers of ourselves that we can be sharing. So I, I that's why I always urge other artists. It's like explore the other art forms that are really similar to yours, right? If you're doing mm -hmm. visual arts and you're doing a lot of drawing and stuff, why would you not try some painting? Why would you not try some of the things that have similarities? You already have a certain eye for it or a certain strength in these art forms. And it actually goes further than people would think. I know some people who are extremely great at stand-up comedy, but that also translates into like their visual arts and their painting and stuff. And you're like, wow. Mm -hmm. So yeah, poetry was great for me to like, I met people that were working at the same place as I was who were just amazing poets, like top of the like line level poets and just being able to be inspired by them. Um, it just made it, I was like, I need to dive deeper into myself and start discovering some of this. And um, my last comment on this is that poetry, if it wasn't for poetry, um, when my grandfather passed away in 2007, I hadn't healed for like four or five years. And then when I wrote a poem that was specifically about the passing of my grandfather and the guilt that I felt um, not being able to be there or do more because I was only a 21 year old kid, um, I was overwhelmed with emotion with that. When I wrote that poem and performed it on stage, it was the first step in my true healing of like alleviating some of that guilt for myself and just knowing that I was like, okay, it's, uh, it wasn't my fault. Um, he had gone through a lot, but I, I need this healing now, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, poetry is such a healing art form. It really is like uh, important. Um, and that's why it's in one of the expressive art classes that I have is specifically mm -hmm. poetry because you're writing your emotions um, forward in that way. Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i mean like yeah what you said is beautiful you know um like and and it's just like you said like you know when before you're like as a comedian i thought poetry was corny you know like i think most of us 
have that perception of poetry like you know like now that i'm older is when i'm like oh wait hold on let's give this thing a try you know so what would you say to people like you know um that might be on the fence like what are some misconceptions of poetry um that you would say to people to get them to like yo just give it a try you know or like the easy gateway to get into poetry easier like what Mm -hmm. are like certain things that they can touch on that you're like wow that will get their interest (laughs) So here's the part that might shake you guys up a little bit is that like, I'm not always nice. And this is one <laughs> of those moments, right? This is one of those moments. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to convince anybody of anything when it comes to the art forms of it. Mm-hmm. I just need to continue doing what it is that I love doing. And the people around me are going to do what they're loving. They love to do. If that's something that is interesting of the, like to them, and that's something that they want to connect to or want to, and actually have that desire to, that's something that I would be there to support that. But like me going out and trying to like convince people, like I'm not a politician for poetry, you know, like mm. I'm a, 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 someone who practices it and is like super respectful and loving of it. And I know the depth uh, and, and uh, connection that people have with this art form, right? So it's not like I'm like, um, you know, this is not like a religion to me that I need to like convert as many people and then I'll feel like I'll go to heaven or something, right? So it's like, Mm. that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's like, Mm. I respect it so much that like, if people don't see the value in it, that might be better. Cause then there's like, I'm not trying to get more, like more poets, right? Like Mm. um, this isn't my focus on that, right? So uh, poetry is really about like personal expression and it's like a beautiful, and, and like I said in my poem, it's like, these are just like every one of these art forms are just a vessel, but like the truth of what we're really doing is sharing our stories. We're sharing our pains, you know, we're sharing our healing. Like that's what it is. So every, like your podcast right now, this is one Avenue that this is like a poetry. This is like a stand up comedy, you know, this is just Mm -hmm. another platform for us to share our stories. Right. So in -hmm. reality, I'm not needing to convince anybody of any one of those ones, but personally, I know how much it's changed my life. And that's all I could ever do. Uh, it's not like I, I'm an advocate for everyone starting and learning poetry, right? But mm-hmm. I could see the value of it. And, I, and I've just, I've watched people change because of their connection with an art, not specifically um, poetry, even I, with other art forms, I've seen how it changed their lives and how they really have something to focus and how to bring their, their true selves forward, right? Like that authenticity that you get in an art form, sometimes it doesn't come out in socialization in just talking from that. That's what's so powerful about art is that it helps you connect to your authentic self. And that's why in multiple art forms, they talk about this concept of like finding your voice, right? In stand-up comedy, talk about finding your voice all the time, right? In poetry, you can see when somebody has connected to their truth and their authenticity, right? So that's what it's all about is really just connecting to that authentic self when you're presenting yourself in a way where you're comfortable enough with yourself to just be and like to not have that neediness of like, please like what I'm doing. So you think that I'm something more than I am. It's like respecting like yourself enough and as well as the other people enough to just be like, Hey, you're exactly where you are. I'm exactly where I'm at. And I'm so comfortable with like, with that right now. And I accept you for right where you are. I don't need you to be anything more. That to me would be more convincing for somebody to pursue poetry because they've seen how much it's changed my life, seeing that, seeing that strength that I have and that base that I have. Literally, any like, even just, like a very personal thing. Last week, my 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 mom was actually in the hospital, and like it was super intense, very emo. I had no, like all of my friends had already been in contact with and all that kind of stuff, and it was like probably three in the morning, and I'm like, where do I have to turn? 
I'm writing poetry. That's literally it. Like it's the thing that I turn to that like I, it, it's like a superpower of sorts for me now, you know, like when I'm just like mm-hmm. in tears and don't know what I'm feeling. A lot of times actually, especially a lot of trauma as a child, it, um, what happens is that you end up like right when conflict happens, you immediately are like, there's either freezing up or you just like end up like, you know, getting overwhelmed and you have racing thoughts. You're, you're so like what happened with helps me in poetry is that it helps lay it out like step by step by step. Okay. What is it that I'm feeling right now? What is it that I'm experiencing at this time? And it's like my form of journaling. But the reason why I like it a bit better than my, I, I incorporate it in my journaling. I love wordplay. Right. And it, it tickles me. So like, it makes me laugh and I'll like, random puns will come out in my in my journaling or poems and I'm like that's that's funny or what like and it's like play there's a playfulness to it and it's like imagine you're literally feeling like the most pain that you felt in a really long time and you're you're just crying and like going through this and you have this moment of like tickling funniness in it you're like that's kind of like a bit of like a gauging of like where you're at you know like if you're in an argument with someone and you make a joke and then the person's still mad you're like okay maybe we're not like at the place where we could joke around yet with ourselves or with them. And then that's kind of what I'm doing with myself in my poetry. It's like kind of like prodding being like, are you willing to laugh at like the ridiculousness of where you took this? Like, you know, the, do you see here that buoy sounds like boy and it's funny to you? Like, you know, that kind of like in that moment, it's the kind of questioning of that. So yeah, that's my like um, connection with poetry and, and, um, and like anything else, it's like somebody asking you guys, like, make us believe that we should listen to your podcast it's like no the people who respect it and understand it and connect to it enough they'll be here and they'll be here to support you this this answer just speaks to like how much anto is really about the poetry and how much he loves it that even if no one likes it he's still going to do it even if it's just for himself mm-hmm. he still do it that shows how much he loves it and you talking about like finding your voice I think that's really important. So can you talk about how, like what would be your voice with poetry and is that different from your voice with stand-up comedy or is it all the same? Yeah, so it's always, if there's an always like work that's being done inside of it, right? Like my stand-up comedy, what you guys saw um, on like uh, the fresh rice, that was actually years of building that specific set pretty much, right? Like, and it was very like race-based. It was very much like about my experiences in it. And it was very important for me to share that. At the same time, like there's been a big shift in my work that I'm sharing now, right? And I find that that's been what's really empowering, excuse me, at the last two years. It pushed me to actually bring more of my authentic self to even my stand-up. I've been doing stand-up long time, guys. Like <laughs> 2007, I started, 14 years. Like, and, and so only in the last couple of years, once I started really doing the work uh, on my mental health, was I really able to get to that next level of like connecting with myself there's so much weight of like guilt and blame that I was like raised with that I was still holding. And when I went on stage, there was an uncertainty and hoping that the audience would like me. Even when I watch my set now, I can see there's certain moments where I was, uh, even though I'm very good at putting forward like um, the strength of what it is that I am on stage just from experience, there were certain moments when I watch it, I could see that I really wanted the audience to like what I was doing. But what's crazy about wanting the audience to like what you're doing so much is that you actually take away from that, like just belief and that love of self, right? It's like the idea of why I think a lot of Canadians have challenges with apologizing is because they're always saying sorry. 
oh, I'm so sorry about this. I'm so sorry about that. I'm so, they just have these minuscule little things. But when it comes to like the depth of it, the truth of it, that apology, that's similar to what I, I feel in terms of like always just wanting people to like you a little bit. But then it's like when it comes to that like true belief in that, that's the thing about an apology to truly mean that it's taking responsibility for it, sitting inside of the ways in which you have made the mistake and then actually making changes to your everyday life so that you can evolve in that way, right? And that's what is different, I would say, in terms of everybody just apologizing all the time and just kind of like, you know, fronting that. And that's how I feel about like having everybody try to like me on stage, right? And that's the mm -hmm. difference is now it's like um, kind of what you were saying, um, Kyle, like a little bit uh, just a moment ago is like, it's there's a certainty now that I have inside of finding my voice and like I'm there to please myself just as much as I am there to please the audience, right? And that's a big change in, in the work that I've been doing. And that's what I realized as a mentor so far, if I'm not showing up at every mentoring session, feeling like I'm also doing this for myself, I'm actually doing a disservice to the people that I'm working with, right? I'm making mm -hmm. them take the burden of like my time, like everything is now focused on you as the person who's receiving like the mentee, everything is to do with your poetry or your writing and everything. It's like so much weight, right? Whereas like, when it's distributed in that way, it's the same with an audience. It's like, if I'm having a good time, if the audience isn't at that moment, hey, maybe that joke was just for me. Let's keep rolling, right? So that concept of finding your voice, a lot of it comes from, personally anyways, a lot of it came from um, me starting um, therapy in 2017. So it's 2017, 18, 19, uh, 20, 20. So it's been five, this is my fifth year in therapy, right? So for me, it was like, I, I pretty much had to hit rock bottom uh, at that certain, I went through like a huge breakup. Um, me and my partner at the time uh, were constantly talking about how I was, I should get therapy, and I just never did. I, I felt like there was like this shame that I just didn't even want to share with other people, and I didn't know how to like start talking about it. A lot of it, I think, was intergenerational. You know, like the idea of like you know my family never going to therapy and me even bringing it up. I felt like a bit of shame that I was like, am I really at that point? And that's kind of what I think is a big mistake for people. They think, oh, you have to like be at a certain point um, before you hit. like, personally, that's what happened to me. But like, I would suggest for anybody to, but you can't convince anybody to go to therapy, right? Like it really is a personal mm -hmm. thing, right? Cause you have to be ready for it. And it costs a shitload of money. <laughs> like I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not here to like tell anybody to do anything with their money. Right. So that's the thing is that, that when I was really able to start connecting to myself and like, have that forgiveness and have that like love for myself. That's when my voice really started to come through in my comedy as well as in my poetry. And um, yeah, I would say like there is a similarities to my poetry and my comedy. Like there's a heavy playfulness of it. There's a little bravado in terms of like, check out what I could do with my wordplay. You know, it's like pretty <laughs> fun. Like, um, and I want to hit people, like surprise them a lot. Um, and there's a lot of like meaning in terms of like um, personal growth, um, emotional uh, wellness. Um, and also like community and like love of self and like growth. Like, I, I think I said that already, but it's like, I always think of it like expansion, right? You're always like wanting to like, just um, learn more and connect more. And that's really what it's all about. Right. But that's personally for me, I've watched many comedians and they do it completely differently than I am, but they found their voice, right? Everybody's so different. This is what inspires me. And this is what gets me excited. But like, I, can't tell anybody else what to do with what they're doing on stage, right? Because that's what makes it so that I feel empowered to do whatever I want on stage is literally that, is that that respect that people do what they want with their time. We might not all fit on the same types of shows, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, that's why a lot of times I've had to build my own um, uh, avenues, a lot of producing my own shows, because 
not everybody wanted all of the positivity, right? It's, it's not for everybody. And that's totally okay by me as well. Wow. Hmm. You know, I, you know, before the show started, Anto was like, how long is this show going to be? I said about an hour, but I, <laughs> we haven't even scratched the surface yet. You know what I mean? I feel like there's so many gems we got to talk yeah. about with Anto, <laughs> uh, you know, therapy, poetry, we didn't even talk about the comedy yet, you know? So, hmm. um, let's get a little bit into that. You know, the, uh, you, you know, we, uh, we know you as a comedian, right? We've seen some of your, uh, sets, um when did that start like were you were you funny as a kid like how, how did you always, get into like, always you... wanted to be the class clown yeah um, it was so interesting because it was i always felt like i was playing like two sides of myself i was like sucking up to the teachers mm -hmm. and then i was also like being the class clown right mm. because i sucked up to the teachers the teachers would be like more open to me like making comments and being silly and none of the stuff that i would say was like attacking the teacher it was just mostly like being mm. silly, right? And right. I remember in like grade seven, no, grade eight, um, there was this girl that was in my class and she was like, I, I was probably like 4'11 at the time, really, really short kid. And then the girl was like maybe like five, six, if I had to guess, like just beautiful, tall, blonde girl, like had glasses or whatever. Um, so cute. And everybody had crushes on her. And then I would just like make these comments that were just so funny. And then she would just always laugh so hard to the point like, she couldn't stop laughing. And like all of the, the guys that were like talking to her and stuff would always be like, what's so funny. And then she <laughs> wouldn't even be able to explain it to them. What was so funny because like, she, it was just like what I was saying and I wasn't like cool. Right. So for me, I was like, Oh, there's like powers to this. Right. Like that's crazy. Such a crazy situation. And then like, as time would, I would always be like silly with my friends and like, you know, laugh a lot and like, just kind of push that. Um, but the thing that actually, like when I was in college, I was an RA. So that was like, um, you know, the resident assistant, I took care of like a floor, made sure everything was good. Basically like a certified narc. That's what you would do. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, uh, but they liked me a lot because I would always like, they would always be like, Oh my God, there's so many people. Like, how are we going to get everybody's attention? And then they would just be like, okay, Anto, can you, can you do it? Cause I was the new guy. So they'd be like, can you do something? And I'd be like, okay. I'd like stand on a chair and be like, <laughs> like, you know, just get everybody's attention somehow right yeah. and like whatever the situation i've like ran around rooms until like i would run all the way to like where i would stand for like where the the other speaking people were or whatever and people would be like what the hell's going on and they'd all like gather so it's like all these random things that i would do for attention and um it kind of led to me to like start writing a little bit because I, I discovered this comedian named mitch hedberg mm -hmm. um so I always watched a lot of Saturday Night Live and stuff and I thought sketches were really funny, but I was like, that's so much like stuff happening that like, that's not really accessible in my, but like I saw Mitch Hedberg, man, one of the funniest comedians ever. Like his jokes are just like, just so like one-liners, some really funny, yeah. like one of my favorite jokes was like, uh, I laid in my twin size bed and wondered where my brother was, you know, like, and it just like so silly and like so beautiful. And, um, and the way that he de delivered it was so him, you know, and, um, so I started writing um, jokes and then um, I wrote a lot of like, uh, when I was a kid, I always enjoyed those uh, 101 hamburger jokes or things like that. You know, I love those types of jokes or like, and my dad had like, um, like 200 inappropriate, like Polish jokes or like Newfie jokes <laughs> or things. Yeah. Those joke books. Right. So I was like, Oh, that's funny. And then we always love Simpsons. And then, so when I started writing though, was really because of Mitch Hedberg because of like the framework of like, like joke writing so mm -hmm. i started writing question answer jokes you know like the the setup and then the, the punchline punch yeah yeah that those types and then what ended up actually really pushing me um was when my grandfather passed away 
um, uh, what was what actually happened was really intense that like nobody in my family. So my, my grandfather had 13 grandkids, five daughters, um, his wife, my, my, my papa, and then all of my the people who went to who came to our restaurant all the time, all the extended family who flew in. And then they asked if anybody wanted to say something and like nobody was wanting to like actually speak at the funeral. There was nobody who was going to actually do a eulogy. There was only my uncle who was going to make a couple announcements, but then nobody was actually going to deliver a eulogy. And then I was like 21 at the time. And I was like, what? Like this guy literally was like, if you ask multiple of my cousins and I who our hero was, it would be him. There's no question that it was him, you know, like, and people ask me like, well, what was he like? The best way, the best way to describe it is very metaphorical, but he used to, uh, my grandma always wanted me to eat Chinese food at the restaurant. I loved grilled cheeses. And then my grandfather would make me the grilled cheese. And then he not only made the grilled cheese, like obviously the classic way, but he took a piece of ham and he would fry the ham on both sides. So it was crispy on both sides. So it felt like there was like a triple decker grilled cheese. If that's what I always tell people. Some people get what I'm saying, some people don't, but that's the type of guy that he was, right? It's like, he just really took the effort to make sure that he not only did what you asked of him, but he went the extra mile to do it in a way that he really believed that you'd be able to really enjoy your moments, right? And he was all about moments, very caring human. Um, and so when he passed, we were just all overwhelmed. I think that's really what it was though. It wasn't that people didn't want to speak. It was that people didn't feel like they had the capabilities and had the strength to stand in front of our entire family and speak about our emotions. Cause we, nobody thought that they would be able to speak without crying. I knew I was going to cry on stage. I cried mm -hmm. writing it. I cried like on stage. And then um, I delivered my speech and then um, the eulogy. And then it was like this beautiful moment. Um, I was really grateful. My mom helped me with the translations of it. Um, one really interesting, interesting thing happened is that I said it in English. And then after I shared it in English, I was crying so much during the English part. I actually, um, the, the, the second Cantonese part, um, it was actually like, I cried all on the sheet, right? Cause I, did, um, I didn't really need the, um, the English like writing of it. I only the Cantonese part, but I did it all in um, Pingyam cause yeah. I don't actually read Chinese. So everything was like, uh, sung, gong, this or whatever, and I'd be like, "All right, ngo is n uh, <laughs> n a w yep. s e u n g, uh, and then uh, g o n g, right?" And there's like nine the Chinese tones. school, <laughs> and uh, and there was like tears on it, right? So there's nine tones, tears, pingyam, huge family audience, whatever, and I delivered it. It went really well. It was, I would say, I'd give that like a six out of ten. Like the English part was like maybe like a nine out of ten. That's just me judging it, but it was like very. But my aunt came up after and she said to me, the perfect way to describe what happened, she said, uh, wow, that speech was so meaningful. It was really, really great. And it was nice that you tried to speak in Cantonese. <laughs> oh. the best way, and she thought that she was like she complimented me but like yeah. it was painful a bit hearing that but i was like thanks like, that was great. You know, like, okay but then like that was that inspired me so much though because if i can speak in front of my family with emotion and care like that way i've been writing comedy for like two years at that point just like mm -hmm. secretly writing always wanting to go and do stand-up it was like less than a month later that i did a stand-up set at yuck yucks downtown in toronto um, wow. I was inspired by like um, sharing at his eulogy that I was like, you know, if I could do that, he's here like blessing me, you know, like, and mm -hmm. I can't say that like I felt him like physically on stage with me, at, you know, like the, the like, but I definitely felt that spotlight. It was like this beautiful, like 
moment of that like because the you know the spotlight is coming from the top and it's like mm-hmm. shining down it's like how could I not think of that right so mm-hmm. I definitely thought of him at that moment and it de- it inspired me to like keep um doing it and like yeah that was 14 years ago um wow. 2007 you know yeah that's crazy, man. So many beautiful stories, man. Where yeah. From, you know, like I was just a dirt bag when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> I was too, though. I didn't, you, guys, you guys, I didn't ask about that, but like my childhood was like painful, traumatic stuff. Yeah. And then my mid, like my high school, I was not a, like, I was not a good person. I was mm-hmm. the bully for sure. Like, oh, wow. and that's something yeah. that I don't get to share very often. It's crazy that like, think about that now, right? Like I mm-hmm. was a bully um, and I would uh, treat people badly. And like, I would like, you know, make fun of them a lot. I was like stealing um, from other kids and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, getting in a fight. I got in a fight in like grade 12, you know, like I was skateboarding a lot. I was smoking weed for a lot of that. Not that like the smoking weed was the bad part, but it was also like at that time, you know, that like, it was like 17, 18 years ago. It was like, yeah. you know, usually it was like the, the more, teenage rebellion kind of thing. more rebellious uh, youth that were like smoking weed at that time too. Yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, that's, what's been, for myself, I really think it's important to share the many layers of ourselves. And like, that was a part of my life as well, too. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that that was um, what um, at the at the last. So the my middle of high school, probably when I was 14, oh, 15 and 16, those two years, I would say that I was like hanging out with that crowd, very bullying kids and treating them badly. And like mm-hmm. and then in grade 12, I actually was a great step for me. Um, because I really got into skateboarding, but like in like a positive way, we were recording a lot of videos, doing a lot of dumb, silly stuff. Um, I was like um, spending a lot more time like with good people. And then um, actually what happened was we started, we started this like group, um, it called the UP. Uh, It was like the unlikely posse. And uh, it was just a group of us who like loved hanging out, whatever. But what happened was the grade nines, were coming in they were getting bullied by the grade 11s and grade 10s that were Mm -hmm. older than them and we had a friend his younger brother was in grade nine he was in grade 12 with us and then we that group actually came and joined us so we actually protected those kids from the kids that were like myself and Mm -hmm. like that's the thing is that like i'm not proud of those years of it but i think that it's important that like to share that that i I was a bully I, i didn't not every moment of my life was i like treating everybody right and like kindly yeah. and like caring you know because mm-hmm. i think there was a lot of, i just felt lost at that time and i felt like um that the people that i was surrounding myself with actually cared about me when it was much more like um yeah they just like were not treating people well and neither was i so yeah then yeah. that's why it's so important with with like you know your what you're going into the like expressive art therapy you know like because even yeah. for me even for me like i'm a hip-hop kid i came up like breakdancing you know so what you just said with the with the skateboarding was exactly my story mm. with breakdancing where you know you, kids just need like to put their energy in something right because yeah. it's like you know like when i was breakdancing i was like yo I, I can't party right now i can't i can't do all that like i gotta get good at this like b-boy thing you know so it's yeah. like it's just you just need a place to channel that all that aggression yeah and, and, and i think also the important thing is also like having that community that likes the same exactly. thing doing yeah. the same thing and like mm-hmm. telling you this is the way we should do it we should not like focus our energy on other stupid dumb shit we mm-hmm. should focus on just this craft or whatever you like and i think mm-hmm. the whole community thing is the biggest thing that i've seen with like all your work and i really appreciate mm-hmm. what you do and stuff and i think uh 
Robin and I had a question about like your comedy in specific, like with your comedy, a lot of it had uh, dealt with like your your thoughts and feelings on race, on your culture, and how you grew up and stuff. We just thought like were your comedy in terms of how you dealt with race always the same, or did you go through periods of where like oh you did certain jokes that you looking back you were like oh not so oh great now. God. I actually, I don't know if you saw my interview with the national, but like, it's exactly about that. How I, I like, even uh, one of the things that um, I would even say that I was a bully in my comedy life at one point. So like when I was doing comedy in Ottawa, I was the only Asian comic that I knew of at that time. Right. And uh, I ended up meeting another um, comic as well. And um, one of the things that um, I was doing was I was actually just talking negatively about being Asian all the time. Like I had multiple jokes where the punchline was the stereotype, but the way in which I got there was very clever. And like, it was like, I was doing covers of, uh, that's the best way to describe it. I was doing covers of Asian jokes, but I was writing like the, doing it in my own style basically, right? And, um, and a lot of it was very cutting, very like harsh and very mm. like angry stuff, I would say. And then give I was an also, example. Um, what would be a good because I heard I heard the it's a story you said on um on Josh's podcast how to, how have we made it yet you know where you mm. told that Ottawa story where you're on stage and you told a bunch of jokes and you felt like you sold your yeah. race out for some laughs so my thought was like you know I'm a, you know being Cantonese I'm like what kind of jokes were these I want to see if I'm pissed off like if I hear yeah. these jokes <laughs> um, what was one of the jokes yeah. okay I gotta think about this it was just like it was just basically a like um. Okay, there was this. Okay, this is a really, this is a really strange outside of the box one. Um, okay, mm -hmm. so there was. You ever seen uh, Got Talents? They they have this like um, all these different types of performers. There was actually this guy named Picasso on that, uh, and what he did was that he painted with his penis right? <laughs> oh. on stage, and he was painting with his penis, and then um, he like turned it around, and everybody was like, "What the heck is that?" This naked. And he flipped it around and it looked exactly like one of the judges. Oh my God. The entire audience like went crazy. They were so excited of that. And then, um, so I actually got inspiration from him. So I started doing it, but I started performing this on the street and uh, I actually was able to paint on a grain of rice, write your name on it. So literally the whole joke is to tell people <laughs> that I had like a small penis that like literally okay. the whole joke. Right. And it's like, okay. yeah. that's the type of stuff. And like the joke uh, wasn't the fact yeah. that I personally had that. It was like all Asian people would have that. Mm. That's like what I would always be insinuating or like, it would go back to like having like small eyes or something or like how, like, um, you know, just really like the easy, like it wasn't like worth the effort to a certain extent. Yeah, and like we've yeah. come so far as well, right? So like that was one of the things like well, that moment that you were talking about with Josh, I think it's important because like I was on stage and I literally said, so I'm Chinese. Those were the words. I remember this like fully. And the audience started laughing, right? And I went and tried to go into my next joke, but they laughed so hard that people did an applause break me saying so i'm trying i was just yeah. like what is happening right now yeah. right and then at that moment it was the question of like do i want to like confront this and be like that's not cool or do i want to just go into my material and just pander more to the audience and the thing is i pandered more to the audience i just did all of my most offensive to chinese and asian people jokes possible mm -hmm. because i wanted their approval and wanted their love so much right and then that's when i knew i couldn't do this anymore and I moved to Toronto and I started doing my like different things. Right. So mm -hmm. that's like really what it was like. Right. It was like, then it just wasn't 
it never felt like the effort was worth those jokes, but people always did like, they liked it so much, right? They loved, um, they loved what I actually, I've analyzed this a little bit. They love knowing the joke already, but they want to see how you're going to tell it, right? They like the fact that like the idea of like eating cats and dogs, um, you know, being like a, like an Asian person eating cats and dogs and like, and, um, you know, I even asked my dad that because I was like, I hear this stereotype. Is this actually a real thing? And he's like, not in my generation personally, in, but like his parents' generation, that would be like a thing in Hong Kong still. That's what he told right. me, right? So I was like, oh, it's not like completely made up. It came from somewhere, but like, it's not fully real to a certain extent. And there are people who are doing it, but like, that's also not fair because you're putting in it like, you're saying Asian people in general, that's like yeah. what, one point, like whatever, 2 billion people, whatever it is amount, yeah. right? So. For me, I felt like I had to stop speaking from an entirety kind of perspective and more so like my story, right? So even the stuff that you're seeing in my um, fresh rice stuff, a lot of it was like, oh, this is what happened to me and how I dealt with it. It wasn't like, hey, in general, let's like Mm -hmm. maybe there's a couple of them, but like usually it was from my own perspective and that's like kind of the shift. But like that was one big step towards me realizing that some of those jokes, I don't think I'm ever going to do again. And then now everything needs to come from a personal perspective because I can't speak on how other people experienced it. I have to speak from my own perspective, right? So that's kind of like the the challenges though, because like when I was growing up, it was, or uh, in comedy, it was so much of it was like Russell Peters based, right? Mm-hmm. And you'd get booked because of your race at certain points, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was not something that I really felt proud of. And I felt like it drained me a lot more than it gave to me. Um, just continuously seeking other people's approval. Do you think that's um, that's a common thing that like Asian comedians go through, or even other like BIPOC like you know uh, comedians? Because like I, I remember we were talking with uh, Vong Vong Show, um, mm. and he uh, I, actually he was talking about uh, uh, developing like mentoring some um, new Asian uh, comedians for the Fresh Rice Comedy Showcase, mm. or it was like. Uh, the auditions or whatever. Um, mm. And then uh, I remember he was telling us this one kid, he made this joke, um, something, something like, oh, oh, uh, my, my name's uh, Kyle. Uh, that's my slave name, right? And then uh, mm. he pulled him aside and he's like, yo, you didn't, you didn't write that. You didn't write that for you. You know, you, you, mm. you're kind of writing, white people. you're catering your comedy to uh, yeah, Vaughn, the white folk, right? Yeah, you know? Vaughn was so helpful for that um, too, was that yeah. he asked that question to us when, after we all got chosen for Fresh Rice and like, he asked us that question in our um, Asian comedy writing group is like, are you writing for like people who look and like li- have lived like you mm-hmm. uh, or are you doing this specifically for white people. And many of us couldn't even say that we've ever written not even one joke for ourselves or for an audience of people who look like us, which is what was so, so trippy about Mm -hmm. um, Fresh Rice, man. Like I was like emotional looking out there and looking on stage, like um, having Ron Jossel as like, it like blew my mind. Like I was so excited and like, and then Vong was the one who put it all together. And I got to be the last person before Vong came out. It was like, I was so blessed, man. Like my position and everything was so good. I was so grateful for it. And, and like, that's the thing that made me, I feel even better on that stage was like the people in the audience that came for it. And then Vong being such an incredible, like he was such a great leader for us, right? For this, like, and um, I'm not just saying that, like, you know, just because like, I really mean like 
we needed someone like Vong to come shake things up for us and like mm -hmm. really remind us of the power of the Asian voice and like what it is that we are all doing, right? And then um, Ron Jossel has literally been doing it. Um, he was headlining before I started doing it, which is crazy, <laughs> right? So mm -hmm. this man is just like absolutely next level, but like side Ron Jossel story is that he was touring in um, Thailand at one point and then in bangkok he was gonna do bangkok comedy club and i saw that and i was like i'm gonna i was literally booked a trip there during the exact same time as when he was there so i contacted uh ron jossel being like hey is it like could i jump on the show and he's like yeah contact the booker <laughs> great so they made it a all canada show or whatever nice. and i got to open for ron jossel and in in thailand last mm -hmm. minute and then from that um set that i crushed and then Ron, um, during his set, gave me a big shout out and like, was like, Eto, like, well, we had like this hilarious moment or whatever. Um, and then what happened was um, I ended up getting booked on a all Asia tour, like traveling across Asia because of that, um, that spot that I did. I basically performed for the Bangkok Comedy Club guy and then he can never get me actually to fly out there because it costs so much. To, he's like, I can't just bring you out for one weekend. But there was a festival that was going through and then he put my name forward for that. And then I did like a um, 12 day festival um, going out there, which was like crazy, right? So that's it's like, that's the adventure of comedy that I love, mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and going back to like my childhood as a skateboarder, that's like half of what you're doing. You're literally going on the bus and you don't know what spots you're gonna go to. Someone mm -hmm. might've researched a spot and you're kind of going on an adventure and then going out to the show and then going out to like perform and then like, you know, recorded or whatever, that's the same energy as we have for like comedy. It's like, hey, you message one or two of your friends and you're like, what show are you doing? What are you going to connect to? Or what show are you connecting to? So that was like the adventure of it. And then like seeing it though, in like the way that it was framed in like that theater, man, for me, it was like such a, a beautiful culmination of so many years of what it was that I was doing. And it actually made me um, so comfortable with like saying um, to a certain extent, it was a bit of a goodbye to comedy the way that I viewed it to be honest like because it was like I was so okay with not uh, performing comedy in that way again where everything I was going to be doing from now on is going to be so much more personal so much more about like my experience right so yeah it was really really important stuff though yo speaking of adventures like this is something I wanted to get into because you know we want to show love to Asians Cantonese, right? Yes. Um, we heard. I heard. I was listening to the immigrant section. You were on there talking to right. um, homeboy there. Um, yo, you, you, you did comedy in Hong Kong. Oh yeah, I lived there for ten months. Yeah, what's um, that story? Yeah, that was amazing. So I, yeah. my first. So I always wanted. From when I first started doing comedy, um, I always, always, always wanted to do it in English and Cantonese. Like uh -huh. it just was a dream of mine, right? Yeah. And then so I actually dreamed of doing the Hong Kong comedy festival. And I was probably only a year in or something, um, 2008 or something. And I went on the, I searched online. I was like, is there, is there somewhere where I can perform comedy in Cantonese and English or whatever? And then they showed me the Hong Kong comedy festival. There's two competitions, one in English, one in Cantonese. And then mm -hmm. the year that I actually um, was applying for, it was eight years after that. So when I first started, it was, the first year was the same year as I started comedy it was the first year of the Hong Kong comedy festival. So it was wow. eight years later uh -huh. um, that I ended up like applying for it. And then I got into it. So I was going to travel to Hong Kong. And then, so I got in like maybe like 10 months before that or whatever, before mm -hmm. I knew I was going. So me and my girlfriend at the time, um, all multiple of her brothers had traveled across Asia, lived in Asia. Um, and then, so she was like, Oh, maybe we can go and like stay there for a while. And I was like, what's a while or whatever. And we're like, Oh, we'll see kind of thing. 
And then so we ended up um, you know, saving up money for the year before that and then uh, ended up buying a ticket. And then it was a one-way ticket. And then so we went all the way to um, Hong Kong Comedy Festival. Um, that was the beginning. It was like September or something. And then we actually stayed. We um, had um, her parents came down. My parents came down. Um, and then I ended up um, doing a tour of um, actually the, the, the show that I just said, Bangkok, uh, was part of that. We did a bit of a Thailand tour. Um, mm -hmm. And then we also did a um, tour of Japan as well, too, with my parents. Um, so that's it was crazy. like we traveled around. It was literally a dream like that. Yeah. And a really funny story, though, my aunt actually uh, owned a, um, a, a, a home there. It was like an apartment. Um, and it was awesome. Like she wasn't living in it for a while. And then um, I asked her if I could borrow like or use the, the, the apartment when I was there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, she's like, no, you scratch my car. I don't trust you. That's what she said. And then um, so the, we were going out for dinner one time or whatever. And then my aunt uh, was saying, oh, bring your girlfriend and that kind of stuff. And then I was like, OK, sure. So I bring her and my girlfriend is like cool customer, very good with family, good, like uh, I was like, what if they don't like you? And she's like, don't worry. I've never met parents <laughs> like me. She was like a very like big blue eyed, like um, white girl, just very mm -hmm. sweet, caring human, you know? Um, and then, so we show up there and then we're doing, we're at the table. And then so randomly, like in the middle of the entire meal, that my uncle, like my, who also owns that apartment, he, he likes, we're like at the giant, like 13 person tables, like at the Chinese restaurant, all Chinese people there. He slams his hands down and he like stands up and then he like points right at me. And he's like, if you screw this up, I will kill you. But he said it in Cantonese, right? Yeah. Like, and he was yeah. like, it. Like, 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 and then I was like, what the, and then my, my girlfriend like put her hand on my knees. Like, it's okay. It's like part of the process, I think, you know? And then, and then they meet her and they like absolutely love her. Right. Mm. And then like after, um, they go to, up to like me and her and then um, like they went up the, to hug her and then they're like, I love you and I don't know why. That's what like my aunt wow. says to her. And then my uncle's like super nice to her. And then mm. that night she ends up being like said to uh, give the keys to to um, my partner at the time. And then um, there was like, I trust you. Make sure that he doesn't screw anything up. They <laughs> said, right? And then, then, the car. We're, <laughs> then we're in Hong Kong. Like that's yes. like actually like a crazy story that's of like, crazy. and yeah. so many things were like that when we were in Hong mm -hmm. Kong, like every step of the way. And you're asking about the community there, still a very beautiful community. There's multiple platforms, um, whether it's like takeout comedy or yeah. there's the uh, comedy HK. And then there's mm -hmm. also one more that um, backstage comedy, I believe. Right. Yeah. And so there's um, Kyle probably knows um, a little bit about that as well. Right. The, mm -hmm. the, the scene out there. So it's a really like cool um, space. People are really nice. They really love like old school, like race jokes a lot. <laughs> they love sex jokes a lot. Really? Like very, very like um, it's a very different um, audience, I would say. Yeah. Um, are you are you talking about specifically the English crowd or English like crowd. English yeah. crowd? That's well, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, the, the Canto crowd doesn't really like sex stuff at, at all, actually. Yeah, um, I know that. I tried. Um, so I only did uh, Cantonese comedy three times. Um, that was my that was my because um, it was only every second month, and um, so I, I only did it three times. And uh, one time I did like like okay, like I like they 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 like didn't hate me. Mm -hmm. You know, one time was like. Like I, I just crushed it. I was so good. Like I just like felt like I was like a king. I'm like 
the best Canto comedian that could, it was <laughs> making fun of how bad my Canto was, like, yeah. and just like how I come from Canada and like yeah. um, how people in Canada think that I'm really good at Cantonese, but it's all lies, you know? And then um, the third time I bombed so hard. I like, <laughs> I could have sworn it was my aunts in the audience. That's how much they hated yeah. me. Like they just, they just la didn't laugh at anything. Like they were just yeah. like, just like so cold. And like, I was wow. like, you know, being my friendly, happy self yeah. on stage. And they're just like buying none of it. Right. They're just like, your canto is so bad. This is like embarrassing wow. for you kind of thing. So it's it was the perfect spectrum though. I experienced all three of them. Um, I would love to do it again. I haven't written anything uh, in so long um, canto stuff. And I don't even remember yeah. most of it. Like, yeah. um, but it was just like such a, such an in, in, important thing though. Like, after I went there, anytime someone talks about like, you know, oh, I'm from this place, whatever. I'm always curious if they've been home because for me, um, I was actually at the peak of the umbrella movement as well, too. Wow. And so I actually marched. Well, I wouldn't say march. I was like walked because um, like everybody was marching and it was like mm -hmm. super. But like I was like kind of off to the side of it. So I'm not like I don't want to take response like part of in the same of like what people really were doing in that in that space. But it was like definitely experienced a little bit of that and saw kind of like what they were going through. Um, obviously not even like just, just seeing it. it was, I was definitely an observer in that way. And it was just like, so impactful to be there for that and seeing what, uh, Hong Kong is fighting for and like, um, seeing how, um, even the yellow that's in your uh, background right now is very much like the umbrellas, you know, like it's just like a very vibrant, like very, like they want autonomy. That's really what it was, right. Collectively, they want this autonomous like experience. And like, even when we were there, what they're fighting for was so basic. It was like, yeah, you can vote for whoever you want, but we get to choose the, the candidates. It's like, that yeah. doesn't make any sense, right? So that's like kind of what I was in, but like the comedy really reflected that as well too, right? It was like mm -hmm. people wanted to do their own thing, like Comedy HK, which I actually started working for a little bit, doing a lot more shows. I did a lot mm -hmm. of random shows. I actually, um, a couple headliners who were, who were uh, flown in by Comedy HK, I like actually... Um, uh, emceed and also produced like helped because the producer who was wasn't able to come with us I just kind of made sure uh, things were a little bit like you know on point that way like I was I, I was really grateful to like get that experience with them as well but it was like everybody just wanted to do their own thing you know autonomously and uh, yeah. and when I was leaving so lucky why um, as well is they actually did a roast of Anto Chan and um, <laughs> wow. it was like me and like um, one of the open mic like shots that they had of me I was wearing like yeah. this like a robe or whatever but they made my face into like a big pig face uh kind of <laughs> a bit like um the you know in the monkey king there was like yeah. the, the pig guy like they yeah. kind of made yeah. my face look like that and it was like the roast of anto chan and like um everybody just like took time just like you know shitting on each other in the funniest ways and i loved it i i enjoy roast so much though so. that's um, awesome man yeah so I, yeah. I felt part of the community and like they big me up and gave me a lot of love <laughs> um and yeah it was only 10 months that we were there but mm -hmm. it was such a it really showed me the value of like connecting to your um, family, you know, it, like connecting to like your, your ancestry and mm -hmm. um, being in like the whole, the home that we were, it made me see like what my parents were going through, you know, like mm -hmm. a lot more, but obviously it wasn't the same kind of thing. Like, but the space was so minimal. And my mom yeah. always told me, she's like, your kitchen, um, the kitchen that we have here in our home is the same size as the home that I grew up in. 
and you could see everyone at all moments. The only thing that blocked you was like a curtain or like um, a, like a sheet, you know? And like the, there was no washroom inside. You would go either like in the corner or you'd have to walk down the hall to like go in the washroom there. Like, and it was like eight people, mm -hmm. she said, that lived in there, you know? So yeah. it was just really like um, important, I think, for me to experience that, but also like paired with comedy, like it was, it, it made it so much better, you know? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you ever want to go, and I would even suggest if you guys bring your podcasting equipment and things like that, there's a lot of comedians out there that would love to talk to you guys. You know, we're trying to get yeah. into the Hong Kong seat, man. I'm trying to, because yeah. I'm a hip hop guy, so I'm trying to get some like Hong Kong hip hop people. Oh, here, okay, you know cool. What I'm so right. you know any, you know, mm -hmm. holla at us, you know, like yeah, make the connections. Sure, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, we'd yeah. love to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, like so, it sounds like you, you know, you. You've been around like tour, like in Asia doing comedy. Like, what do you notice? Like, are there things that you have to make adjustments for? Like, some things that might kill in Canada, like over there. Like, oh, oh, they they, they ain't feeling this at all, you know? Like, yeah. like did, did you notice a difference, like culturally, in in, in terms of comedy when you're or when you didn't doing like over my, there? they didn't like storytelling as much. No. I found um, yeah. unless it was a storytelling show. But on mm. comedy sets, it's much tighter. It's mo much more about like like the joke than the or the setup than the joke than tag 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 tag. They really want like punchlines. Like really? they really love yeah. like the quick like fire 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 jokes. You know, and like the yeah. longer the stories, like you would lose people. And also, it comes with like um, not every like, it, most people's English was really good but like mm -hmm. sometimes you'd have audience members that like their English wasn't as good and they still would be part of the English um, uh, speaking ones uh, and also just like humor from all over the world like certain things people would laugh extra hard at like sex jokes mm -hmm. and stuff certain country people from certain countries just like die laughing at and like <laughs> but sometimes like you know they wouldn't want to see sex stuff in your in your act it's it's like but it's all like like anything you just have to try it out and that's mm. the scariest thing about stand-up even when i went there yes i've been doing it like i've been doing comedy as long as your comedy festival is like that's kind of like uh, you know for a moment i thought that way and then i get there and you do shows and you're like what the fuck like you just got to try it you just got to mm -hmm. do your best again and you got to like mm -hmm. kind of like rebuild and and um yes you're bringing over some of the jokes but it's like you have to really kind of like figure out what stuff does well and what doesn't right so that's why i always like try to host um Hosting is like the most comfortable space to try what kind of jokes work and stuff too, right? Because you try the joke, doesn't work, bring up the next person, you just keep rolling, like right? so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. Well, yo, like we don't want to take up too much of your time, you know. Like we 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 got to get another part two coming probably. Sure. But yeah, uh, uh, before you go, you know, like um, uh, is there anything like you're working on? Like what's the, what's in the future? for for anto in in the next year or so because you, you seem like you there's a lot of growth you know there's a lot of things you're getting into that you, like you're going back to school to study yeah. right like what 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 are you trying to do in the next couple of years yeah that's a really great question um yeah. so there's i'll tell you about the couple of things that i am working on um mm -hmm. one of the things that i am working on right now is a children's joke book um it's mm -hmm. uh, under my brand uh pun fu so mm -hmm. i don't know if you can see in the background here oh, that's cute maybe uh, <laughs> gaga yeah so um mm. my cousin made that and he's like an incredible artist so we're working on like a kid's joke book uh mm. it's like 101 jokes like the old school way uh but he his art's in it and it's really great um and then i'm also i applied for a grant actually for next year um mm. which uh whether i get it or not we're still going to run the show the showcase is called intergenerational and it's um very like we're amplifying the asian voice during asian heritage month and mm. um i have a couple musicians 
um, that are going to be opening. And then I'm going to be doing like a longer set. And it's going to be talking a lot about um, kind of my childhood and like um, the influences of the people that came before. And basically a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. Um, so that's going to be really important for me. And the reason why I'm going back to school, though, is a lot of it has to do with like being able to hold space for people of color and, um, you know, uh, the more oppressed um, entities that are people that are out there. Right. And like right now I'm working with an organization to build like anti-oppression and allyship like programming. And uh, in school, I'm learning a lot about like how to hold space um, for people to be able to express themselves in the best that they could to feel safe, to feel like they can be seen and just being present and being themselves. So for me, like, I feel like all of it is like connected, you know, very like mm -hmm. all part of that, like feeling like, you know, I want people to have a soft landing, but once we get in the soft landing, I want them to push themselves to dig deep into like things that they're comfortable with talking about, but also might be challenging and might like need a lot of self care with it. Right. I want to be able to be in spaces like that. And that's really what it's all about. All of the things that I'm doing all kind of connect to that same thing. Right. So um, to be honest, it, it's been really refreshing and really awesome um, to be chatting with you guys today because like, it reminds me of how much I love podcasting, the openness mm -hmm. of it, the, the uh, connection that you could have, um, you know, and, and uh, even though this is online, it's still, I feel very like connected with you guys. And, and I personally, I've spoken quite a lot tonight, but like, I definitely would love to hear both of your stories at some point. And I think that like, you know, in future, that's something that uh, a lot of us would, um, you know, watching uh, and listening to your podcast, um, you know, I'd love to hear about your, your story and uh, mm -hmm. bring in maybe one or two of your friends um, so that you guys could also get those flowers, you know, because you guys are um, <laughs> hosting us and, and letting us receive those flowers and we really appreciate it. So uh, thank you guys again for having me on the show. And uh, one of the things that I, I, I want to put out there is that the platforms on Instagram that you can connect with me are um, AntoPunfu, A-N-T-O-P-U-N-F-U. Uh, and then on, um, I also have AntoWrites, A-N-T-O uh, Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. Uh, and then I also have Free Flow Showcase, uh, so that's F-R-E-E-F-L-O-W-S-H-O-W-C-A-S-E, -E, free flow showcase. Um, but I tell you all that stuff on my, my personal one as well. But one of the things that's really important about the free flow showcase is I want to connect artists. I want artists to feel like whatever avenue that you're going through, there's different like artists that are experiencing very similar things and we're all in this together. And so let's have some community conversations and really see how we can like uh, uplift each other and support each other and like trying to go through these challenging times together, you know? So um, we just had another live show, but I think most of the stuff is going to go online next. Um, so yeah, really appreciate the time, guys. Anytime, man. And you Anytime. know what? Like, we're definitely going to keep connecting because, you know, yes. the thing with our show is everybody that comes on, we've just become best friends with them. Hey, we still talk Markham to like, too. yeah. We're Markham. Yeah. Let's yeah, I, yo, after, I, yo, I, I, we interviewed Josh. <laughs> I went to his show after, you know, I went to one of yeah. his shows, you know, Lucas, like we talk all the time. Like, yo, yeah. like, Amazing. yeah. So, that. That's you know, great. Just don't show up uh, at my door unannounced. That's all I, I that's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> We're best friends. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate for... that. Honestly, I love that mm -hmm. like support and like, um, uh, and also like hip hop wise, um, you were saying that you're in that realm quite a lot. Mm -hmm. I have multiple friends that like on many of my shows are hip hop heads and like they're, they've been releasing a lot of stuff. They they're shooting like music videos all the time and things like that. If you want to like go to events and things like that together and like, pull up together like that's definitely something that that i'm open to as well so for sure man that'd be great for yeah. sure yo yo i might rock a poem at one of your at one of your shows oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah yes. you know it's been great talking to you you know like oh man like there's so many things anto was good at you know like 
poetry, comedy, black belt, taekwondo, you know? <laughs> uh, by the way, like, I can't believe you guys have written tests for black belts. Like, yeah, I, it's damn. like philosophy and like, um, kind of like, what are the, pi- like the pillar or the, the, I forgot the word for it. Oh my God, all these years. Yeah. Um, but it's like the pillars of like the, the actual like taekwondo and things like that. Who founded it and like damn. what year and stuff and things like that. So um, it was very challenging, but like, yeah. that's the thing is that like, these are all a lot of things that I'm really good at, but man, there's so much stuff that I'm not good at too. That's why <laughs> I love having great, like people in my community that like help me or like inspire me. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, if they're willing to try poetry and like, they've never done it before on stage, I mm-hmm. should be able to like draw privately. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're willing to like, ex- like the last show that we had, someone's been coming to my shows for like eight years. And she's like, you know what? It's time for me to like try uh, to do a comedy for the first time, did a like five minute set in the middle of the thing. Everybody loved it. She talked about mental health, very personal stuff. It was really, really great. And then I was blown away. I was like, wow. And then she's like, you know, I just wa- always want to do it. And I just wanted to be, do it on one of your shows because I felt so safe, you know? And mm-hmm. that is like literally the stamp of approval, like of like, li- that's what I'm aiming for, right? I want people to feel so safe on our shows. But like, if someone could do that in front of a bunch of people, it's like, I could totally try what like painting on my own. You know what I mean? Like, why not? Like, I can't um, not do the things that I actually want to try to do just because I think I'm going to fail at it. Right. Like other people throw themselves in even deeper. So I just like respect that Um, to a certain extent. It's like when you see that you're like, I respect them enough that I have to push myself at least one step in that way. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's, Robin, that's exactly... I think we have to show up in his show one of these days and um, do it, man. try know. open mic stand up. Yes. I mean, well, let's do it. Let's do a yes. never jaded edition. We'll both oh, you know, do, a, do a quick guys, five minutes. You know what oh, I mean? I love yeah. it. If you guys want to also like sit down and write some jokes together, like hit me up. I love writing jokes with people. I love like working on material and um, whatever it. it is like that you guys are already writing towards. That's yeah. that, that it's I'm sure it's like fun, you know, so let's definitely jump in at some point. And yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have space on uh, future open mics and stuff for you guys to come on. That's Great. awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> All, right, guys. All right. So, um, again, like if you thank us again, Anto, for uh, coming on the Welcome. show. It was a great talk. You know, uh, listeners, if you want to follow us, be sure to, you know, keep up with us, you know, give us some support so we can show all the love to great guests like Anto here. Follow us on Instagram at Never Jaded Pod and just subscribe to wherever you're listening to, man. You know, show us some love, man. And, and also, also Kyle here. He has his own podcast that's doing fairly well as well. Um, you want to plug it real quick? Yeah. So uh, it's What Kind of Asian Are You podcast, a conversa- podcast featuring conversations about being Asian. And uh, you can find it on all major streaming platforms and also on YouTube. So just search the name What Kind of Asian Are You podcast mm-hmm. and uh, follow the Instagram at What Kind of Asian Pod. We'll love to uh, connect and um, talk. Mm. And with that, We are out. Peace. Peace. Thank you.